all of us. Everyone at the state's academic medical center. All working together to deliver complete care now and for generations to come. All over the state, including hospital and clinic locations from the Delta to the Gulf Coast. All for one reason. You. The University of Mississippi Medical Center. All for your health. You're listening to a podcast of Relatively Speaking on MPB Think Radio. To your previous shows, visit mpbonline.org or download the MPB Public Radio app to listen on your iPhone or Android phone on demand. Good morning, and thanks for listening. I'm Dr. Susan Buttress, and today on Relatively Speaking, it's going to be a little bit different. It's going to be all about you and what you want to talk about. We're having our first Open Topic show. So we want to hear what's on your mind. It can be from COVID-19 burnout and navigating family summer fun within a pandemic, um, or back to school anxieties or more. No topic will be too big or too small. Um, so y'all join the conversation with us at one eight seven seven MPB ring. That's one eight seven seven six seven two seven four six four. Or you can send an email to family at mpbonline.org. So you know, there's been so much going on over the last several months. Um, listeners, you may feel that your head is just spinning. I'd like to hear from you about what you've done to try to cope with all of the changes that have come about within the pandemic. Um, Many people have canceled travel. Many of you have postponed weddings or parties. But some of you, instead of postponing, have just changed things, made things to maybe accommodate the way things are going right now. So, Uh, Some of that may be um, you developing, learning how to be a bit resilient during these times. So I want to talk about that. Some of you may not have changed anything at all. Um, What about you? Why have you not made any changes? And then what about sending children back to school, back to child care? How is that going? I will say that it's been very apparent to me that there have been different standards at different child care centers, different standards at different schools. Um, And even um, there's been different information that's been sent out Um, and perhaps maybe some very confusing information. So if you have some questions or concerns, I can answer those. And if I can't, I'll find the answer out for you. But I think it's really important that as we're moving along, that we hear from you about how, how you are coping with things, how are you are dealing with things, how are you able to make yourself um, step through COVID. And if you aren't, let's talk about it. Give us a call at one eight seven seven mpb ring That's one eight seven seven six seven two seven four six four. 672 7464 or you can send an email to family at Um, Good morning, Michelle. Good Thanks morning. for being with us again, my producer. Hi, good morning. How are you today? 
I am great. You know, as we were talking about that, this this open topic day, um, there are just so many pieces and parts of what we could talk about today from um, maybe fears and phobias, uh, maybe social anxiety that's gotten worse during this COVID-19 period. Um, there's so there's so many things that have been disrupted, wouldn't you say? I would. Um, we were discussing about what topics should people talk about. It's so many topics going on in America right now from racial upheaval to COVID-19 to I have to go back to work, but I'm not comfortable sending my child back to daycare or their summer camps aren't open. Where do I send my child if I have to go back to work? We want to hear from you. We want to hear how you have maneuvered or maneuvering through COVID-19 because it's not over. The pandemic is not over. So we want to hear your thoughts about anything that you want to talk about today with Dr. Buttress. Please give us a call at one 672 7464 Like we said at the top of the show, no topic is too big or too small. Right. The other thing that has come up with, with me and a lot of individuals in my age bracket with grandchildren is that that... Um, their parents are uncomfortable allowing the children to see grandparents. Um, are you in that boat? Have you missed out on seeing your grandchildren and what are you doing there? So there, there's so many pieces and parts to this topic. I'm really interested, though, in how people see that their lives have perhaps changed for the better are they more simple? Have you learned to enjoy simple things? Have you perhaps become a cook and you never were? Or um, have you learned that you really don't need to go out and shop as much as you always did? Um, have you found that you've had more time to read? And if so, what are you reading? There's so many potential positive things that could happen in this very um, sometimes negative feeling world that we're living in right now. Uh, when COVID-19 first hit, a lot of families got closer. They start talking more, eating dinner together out of, uh, not, you know, not choice. But <laughs> <laughs> out, out of force, out no, of force. no games to run to, you know, um, last year we did a show about, your children being overscheduled mm -hmm. and never having any downtime or creative time, never time to just stop and think and be creative or stop and be interactive and have a conversation with a family. Well, now I think a lot of families are finding they have a lot of time to do that. And is it something that you're enjoying? Have you learned more about your children? Have you gotten closer in some families, I'm certain that's the case, and I'd love to hear those stories. I also know that in some families, um, there have been some difficult areas, and I want to get to an email in just a moment about someone 
who who was having some difficulty, and it was um, back during our show on domestic violence. We got an email, um, but give us a call. Jump into the conversation at one eight seven seven MPB ring. That's one eight seven seven. 672-7464 or like I said we are looking at our emails today too you can send us a email at family at mpbonline.org um, so let's let's go to an email that we received back in May um, when we were talking about um, resilience and um and domestic violence. Like I said, I think I want to get to the one first about domestic violence, though. This is was from um, in October. That was in 2019. Okay, um, from Scott Rayburn, um, and he he had some thoughts that I'm just going to read to you his email, and then I'll comment on his thoughts. So he says, number one, mental illness can be a major cause of domestic aggression. Number two, sometimes these people can convince almost anyone that they are the right person. Number three, he says, my wife was arrested for abuse of one of my children. She convinced all of our neighbors that I was at fault. My wife has been arrested for abuse to me. She also convinced everyone, with the exception of our judge, that it is all my fault. If you cannot convince people that there is a problem, there can be almost no help. So um, I don't know if Scott's listening now, but I just do want to comment on a couple of things that he said, because this is a very, very serious issue. Um, He is absolutely right. Most often, individuals who are perpetrators in domestic violence and sometimes the recipients of domestic violence have significant mental illness. Now, the perpetrators can have um, significant depression with aggression. Sometimes that can present. Um, They can have bipolar and during their hypomanic, their angry phase, Um, They can become aggressive. They're individuals with um, impulse control, and they cannot um, stop acting on their anger and their aggression. So uh, Scott is absolutely right. Um, And it happens with men and women. I think so many times people think that it's only only women who are the recipients of the domestic violence, but that's not true. There are many men out there and, you know, often men are taught not to fight back. So they, they get hit and then there's nothing they can come up with to do. And it sounds like Scott was in a very, very terrible situation, but he did say that, that she had convinced everyone with the exception of the judge. So it sounds like Scott was lucky in that he had a judge. He really listened to the case and stepped through the evidence. Um, 
But it's often very necessary that you make sure you gather facts, you take pictures, you um, make sure that you are communicating what's really happening appropriately, not just so that you can get back at that person, but so that there can be an intervention so that both of you can get help. And like I said, this is a very, very, the domestic violence issue. If anyone has further comment on that, I'd like to hear from them about um, any experience they've had, uh, perhaps with this same type situation, whether you were the, the husband or the wife in this situation. But I know many times it takes great persistence to be able to have a good intervention done and help given um, for the right people. And Dr. I think Budgers. with that, we'll go to our first break. And um, But we've got open lines. Please give us a call at one eight seven seven mpb ring That's 877-672-7464. When we get back, we'll talk about the email we received on resilience. This is Relatively Speaking, and we'll be right back. I'm Dr. Jimmy Stewart, Professor of Internal Medicine and Pediatrics at the University of Mississippi Medical Center. On the original Southern Remedy, we answer questions about all aspects of your health and share some of the latest medical information in the news. You can listen to the show on Wednesdays at 11 on MPB Think Radio, or you can subscribe to the podcast by searching for Southern Remedy on your preferred podcasting app. This is an MPB Think Radio podcast. Welcome back, and thanks for listening. I'm Dr. Susan Buttress um, here with Michelle McAdoo, and we are doing Open Topic Day. So no topic too big or too small, no topic that is inappropriate. Today we'll talk about anything from anxiety to your wedding day. Um, to starting school or figuring out how to homeschool. Um, We'd love to hear from you. So give us a call. Jump in the conversation. You can give us a call at 1-877-MPB-RING. That's 877-672-7464. Or you can send an email to family at mpbonline.org. Well, as I promised, the next caller asked um, the next emailer asked to remain anonymous but he said hi Dr. Susan I'm a regular listener and love the show thank you for that my spouse and handle thing and I handle things very differently she tends to get easily bogged down and dwell on things I typically move on very quickly often compartmentalizing easily This can be a source of tension sometimes. I worry that he dwells too much on things and I can see how it may appear that I don't care or don't sympathize because I bounce back so quickly. How can we handle stressful events or bad news in a way 
that we can come out on the other side without feeling resentful of each other for the different ways we process them. You know, I think that is a wonderful question because there are some people who are just hardwired to be to to respond to things differently. And um, the the individual who sent the email um, makes note that that he is one of those who is is more resilient than his his wife um, who gets bogged down and and dwells on things. Now, that is probably one of those hardwire things that is hard to get over once you get into adulthood. But um, one way that I would recommend that you approach this when you have uh, a spouse or a significant other or even a child who who is um, continually uh, focusing on the negative and and you're having some some difficulty with having them um, look at the positive end is to do a couple of things. First of all, the worst thing you can do is to say you're always negative. That's the worst thing you can do. Don't say that. You can um, smile and quietly listen um, to the complaints. To And you can say, okay, it seems like maybe you're letting this drag you down. Let's talk about how we can move that into a positive zone. I know that um, sometimes when there's always this negative person who's always shooting back with the worst case scenario with, uh, of anything, um, that that it can be terribly upsetting and bothersome. But if you can learn to be a really good listener, which is a wonderful skill set to just sit there and listen, let them get their words out. And then if you will then say, well, I don't see it quite that way. These are the things I see. Do you think perhaps maybe we could um, think about some of the positive? I also think it's okay to look someone in the eye if you're really feeling like they're dragging you down all the time. It is really okay to say, you know what, this is, I feel like we only talk about the negative. I think it's really important that we try to look at the positive because otherwise it feels bad all the time. And so I think, again, to to try to be a good listener, to try to make sure you hear what they're saying. If you can switch it around to a positive, do it. If they continually fight back with the negative, I think it would be important to let them know that this is bothersome to you. And if it continues, um, then you might want to talk about seeking help to try to help this individual and you see things more in a more congruent fashion. One thing that um, you, you might remember too, um, if this 
if this person who sent this email is listening, remember that when somebody is constantly negative and only sees the negative, there might be some real depression in there. So if this person is talking a lot about uh, bad stuff and bad things and can't seem to see any positive, they truly may need to see a counselor, a psychologist, or at least start with their primary care physician to say, I feel bad and sad all the time, because that might be an individual who needs help with depression. All right. Well, I hope that was helpful. Um, Michelle, I think we still have open lines, right? Yes, we have Bob from Hattiesburg. Well, why don't we jump to Bob from Hattiesburg and uh, before we go to another email. Hi, Bob. Thanks for calling. Hey, Dr. Buttress. How are you? Um, I've got a question that relates to the COVID virus that we're all dealing with. How do you deal with people that don't seem to take this whole thing as seriously as you do in social situations and stores or whatever? People that don't wear a mask, that, that get close to you, that, that, you know, some are strangers, some are friends even. And, mm-hmm. um, you know, without starting a fight, what's the best way to, uh, to deal with that? Bob, that's a great question. And, and actually, I bet every one of us who takes COVID-19 seriously, as we should, has had to deal with this. So um, before I answer your question, let me remind everybody I think they've heard it, but I'm going to say it out loud again. COVID-19 is a novel virus. That means that none of us, unless we've had it, have developed immunity to it. To get herd immunity, you have to have 60 to 70 percent of people who have had the virus and recovered. For that herd immunity to happen at At the present state we're in, there are going to be a lot of people who die in the process because there are still individuals who, for whatever reason, we know there's some who have significant issues, comorbid issues that put them at risk, like um, obesity, um, asthma, hypertension, immune problems, those things put you at diabetes, put you at much higher risk. But in addition to that, there are individuals who don't have any significant risk that has been identified and have died from it. So this is this is serious. And I my goal and and everybody listening's goal would be, I think, to not get the virus until we have a very solid treatment for it and or a vaccine to protect ourselves. Okay, with that, let me go back to Bob's question. How do you deal with that? Um, First of all, if you and my husband and I have had to do this when we were um, going somewhere to pick up a to-go um, food and um, people were crowded together, touching shoulders and without masks, we turned around and left. So I would just stay away from those places. If you have close friends, I recently had someone that I admire and think a lot of who told me that they thought that this was all a hoax. And I said, it's not a hoax. It's real. 
I hope you will wear your mask around me. Um, and I, I think it's okay to do that. I have been in um, areas where people got too close to me and I backed up. Um, so I think that it's okay to declare it. If people talk to you about this not being real or a hoax, ask them to please read science, not to read Facebook, not to read Instagram, not to read people who are are spouting something that is not real. Um, this is real. This is a serious, serious health issue. Um, Mrs. Many of us know individuals who uh, we've lost from this. I have two friends who have died from this. And so I just want, and I know people die from stuff all the time, but if you look at the numbers, it's very different. So I hope, Bob, that helped. I, I just would encourage you to say out loud, to step away. Um, if you walk into a store that says masks are required and people don't have masks on, I think it's okay to complain to the manager um, or to go to the manager and say, I'm going to have to leave because I don't feel comfortable here. Um, well, that would be my recommendation. Difficult. I hope that helps. It's a little more difficult when you get friends and family that feel differently about this. That's, that's really what I was trying to get at. How do you, in a nice way, um, respond to their behavior? I, I would do the same thing, Paul. I would say, I mean, I'm sorry, Bob. I would say, I, I believe it's real. I want to stay safe. I love you. I care about you. I wish you would do the same. But I need you to respect me and my boundaries right now. I'd just say it, Bob. I would just, uh, you know, look them in the eye. Let them know you're sincere. Um, and just say, please respect this for me. Right. And I don't think you can do anything more than that. All right. Thanks very much. Okay. Well, I appreciate you calling and letting me kind of talk through that because honestly, um, I have dealt with this myself and I know many others have. So if, if any of you have any other maybe recommendations for Bob, Feel free to jump in and join that conversation at one eight seven seven MPB ring. That's eight seven seven six seven two seven four six four. I want to just say one more thing. I know it's time for us to go to our next break, but um, one thing that that we need to remember: just hand washing. The more information we've gotten to, the more we know. Hand washing alone is not good enough. There is good, clear evidence that this virus is aerosolized. And um, so it stays in the air. And so for and it can stay in the air for a while, the smaller particles. And that's why a mask is so important. And that's why the social distancing, even with a mask, is still important. So keep the facts in mind when you're trying to step through. Yes, wash your hands. Obviously, wash your hands. But we know that alone is not enough. Okay. So I hope everybody will try to listen to that and stay safe with that. 
All right. Give us a call. Join in. one mpb ring That's one 672 7464 This is Open Topic Day, unrelatively speaking. I'm Dr. Susan Buttress, and we'll be right back. If you're a parent on the go, but still want to stay informed about your children's education, subscribe to Mississippi Education Connections podcast and listen on the go anytime, anywhere on your favorite podcast app. This is an MPB Think Radio podcast. Welcome back and thanks for listening. I'm Dr. Susan Buttress, and this is Relatively Speaking. We're, we have Open Topic Day today, and I'm excited. We've got some callers waiting. So our first is Maggie from Flowood. I want to just jump right into our call. So hi, Maggie. Thanks for calling and waiting. Well, I'll tell you, Dr. Buttress, I enjoy your show very much, and I hope you can help me. I well, I'll try. Well, <laughs> I will next month. The uh, actually a month from tomorrow, I will be 80 years old. I have been religiously following all the guidelines to do with the coronavirus, and uh, if I do go out, I wear my mask. I try not to go inside any place. I try to get, you know, things delivered to my car. Wash my hands religiously. Stay home. Doing everything now for months. Yesterday, I got on the DPS site, the public safety site, to renew my driver's license. Well, after it not working and I called in, I found out it wasn't working because they asked me how old I was. And I told them I was Mm. 79. And they said Uh I could not get my driver's license online. I have to physically go down to the department office where the driver's license is issued and get my driver's license that way. In other words, every person in this state over 65 years of age is forced to leave their homes and go get their driver's license renewed. Is there anything we can do about this? I am furious. I called the governor's office. I called the attorney general. I've called everybody I can think of, and including Dr. Dobbs at public health, and no one has returned my telephone calls. This wow. is a terrible situation. We are in a high-risk group, and yet they're making us leave our home to get our driver's license renewed because of our age? Wow, Maggie, that is an issue. And I think that, um, I, first of all, I commend you for calling um, those individuals have you called your legislators in your district? Often they are very responsive um, when they know they have a voting person um, who is is bothered by something. And I would encourage you because you're absolutely right. Um, it sounds like you're trying to do the right thing and you're trying to be vigilant about taking care of yourself. 
And and as you know, um, you have a very young voice, by the way. But as you know, that um, that individual 75 and over are even at further increased risk. I know. So um, I think that your your concern is correct. I know that they that that. Uh, DMV has made lots of exceptions in other areas, like for teenagers, um, getting their um, driver's license. Uh, that has changed, which I find interesting. I know that people worry as we get older that our reaction time is not as good. But I also know that individuals who have not been driving um, for four or five years like teens um, also are at much higher risk for accidents and injuries. So it seems that we got the bottom end of the spectrum taken care of, but not the top end. I would encourage you to call your legislators. There's certainly nothing Dr. Dobbs can do uh, about it, who is our, our medical health officer. He's a great guy. I know he's trying really hard. But as far as other than issuing a statement that he already has about um, individuals um, being careful, I don't think there's anything that he can do. But perhaps to go to your legislator and talk to one of at least their staffers to see if perhaps they can help because you are not the only individual who is, is in the position that you are. I hope that helped. But Mary, um, so what are you doing? How are you managing this right now? Well, I'm doing fine, but I'm worried about everybody else now. It's got to renew the driver's license and fit my age categories. This is ridiculous. I mean, it's at, I mean, for nobody to even return my telephone calls when I have expressed my concerns to their staff, I intend to call the TV stations today. Because nothing is being done about this, and something has to be done about it. it I, I agree with you. I think that if, if nothing more, if you have to go in, if nothing more to allow you to have an appointment time where you don't stand in a line, where you can remain safe, there's certainly a way that this can be accommodated. So um, I... Um, I hope somebody who who is listening has some power maybe to do something about this. But I would I would suggest that, like I said, go to your legislator and and see if perhaps they can come up with a solution or some help. So, well, Mary, good luck, Maggie. Maggie, good luck, and I hope that um, you you stay safe. Keep doing the safe thing, and um, keep in mind you can have your groceries delivered depending on where you live, um, or you can do pickup. But driving, I would say that if you're driving and your license has expired, um, I'm not encouraging that. But Maggie, if your license has expired and you get stopped, I would ask the policeman, what are you supposed to do in this COVID situation? So at any rate, 
All right. Well, I didn't have a good solution, but um, I think that is a problem, and I hope we can figure out how to address that. Um, I think we lost Mary from Coldwater. Mary, call back if you have time. We've got some open lines. Give us a call. This is Open Topic Day. Uh, you can call us at one eight seven seven mpb ring That's 877-672-7464. Or you can send an email to family at mpbonline.org. Okay. Um, I'm going to bring up a couple of other emails. Um, we had a caller um, who said, I am um, 30, I'm a 30 year old female and was diagnosed with social anxiety recently. I finally worked up the courage to see a psychiatrist. And after working with medicines, I am on two medications for anxiety. I still have the thoughts of constant worrying about being embarrassed, public speaking, people judging me, changing jobs, etc. I was wondering what I could do to help these things. So, um, and it's signed, thanks, Marie. Um, so, uh, Marie, uh, a, a couple of comments, um, social anxiety can certainly be something that, um, if left untreated can get worse and worse and, um, it can be very impairing and, and difficult. And it sounds like it has, has been for you. And like I mentioned at the start of the show, I'm very concerned that social anxiety, will increase and worsen with COVID-19 because now you've got a good excuse for never going out, never being about people, never public speaking. And so you want to be careful about letting yourself fall into a situation um, like that. But what I would recommend, now I hear um, that Marie's now on a couple of medicines from a psychiatrist, but I didn't hear anything about the counseling that she's receiving. Social anxiety cannot just be treated with a medication, but um, social anxiety needs uh, someone, a good psychologist or um, licensed counselor or social worker who is adept at treating social anxiety and knows how to work with an individual in, um, in practicing Damping down the worry, damping down the anxiety, learning how to deal with it, um, getting in mindfulness therapy is often helpful with social anxiety and then working on practicing. So medication is good. It cannot down the severe anxiety symptoms, but it should not. I'm a firm believer that it should never be used alone. It should be used in conjunction with counseling. So I hope that helped. Okay, we do have some callers. Um, so let's jump back to our callers. We have Belle from Yazzie City. Hi, Belle. Hi, how are you? Um, this is very interesting. I have a couple of comments. One is sure. I can understand having to go in for your driver's license. I'm a prime example. Um, I'm 80. And since I had my got my license the last time, I had developed macular degeneration, 
and I can't see right. or read much at all. So they they have to. I have to go in there and do that little eye test, which I can't do at the doctor's office. But what burns me up more is that in a lot of the smaller cities and towns, they took away the roving driver's license bureaus that came about once a week or once a month. Mm-hmm. And uh, mm-hmm. from where we are, we have to go all the way to Jackson. I have to pay somebody to take me. And I guess the only uh, situation is where you have to go in because of they're looking at your eyes mainly, I think. Mm-hmm. And uh, it's mm-hmm. just uh, distance. Get as far away from them as you can and and bear it. But um, I think it is, there is a realistic thing there. The, uh, another thing I'd like to say is uh, even before the virus, um, I had noticed that a lot of people – um, like they meet you or they see you after a while and they want to hug you. And I think you, I, I, I was brought up where you respect people's distance unless mother said hug ain't so-and-so. But <laughs> when when we get over this, I really think we ought to respect people's distance and, you know, they're in, in uh, not just go around hugging everybody because you can sincerely convey to people that you care about them without just hugging all the time. I hope that doesn't sound cold. But anyway, thank no, you for it, letting me make my comments. <laughs> well, thank you, Bill, and you're absolutely right. And that's one reason. Um, uh, let's go back to the driver's license very quickly. The There are reasons that they have you come in to check vision, to to make sure that you're mobile and able, um, or if you're not, you have the proper accommodations. So um, excellent point about that. Um, The other the other piece um, that you mentioned is that it's very inconvenient. We live in a largely rural state. It would be nice if we could accommodate, like you said, the once a week, if not once a month, to get the driver's license renewed. It'd be nice if it could be done locally. Again, um, contact your legislators. um, Ask them to help you with change. I think that's the way we get changes made. And then the the final thing about the hugs and all, um, important people, some people love to hug, some people don't. So if someone doesn't give you that forward motion that you, they also want to hug, step back, either do the elbow bump or just nod and bow um, at them. I think that's fine. Okay, we're going to stay with our callers. Let's, Beth um, from Mobile is next and then we'll get, Back to Mary from Coldwater. So, Beth from Mobile, thanks for calling. Hi. Um, about how safe, I was wondering about how safe shields were as opposed to masks. Um, one of my pet peeves is going into the store, um, particularly grocery stores where they're handling food and seeing a person on but below the nose. Um, and oh. I actually bought a shield. Um, and my eye doctor recommended it because I have Sjogren's syndrome, and he said wearing a mask was actually drying out my eyes worse. Mm-hmm. Um, mm-hmm. Any idea about yeah. how effective the shields are as opposed to a mask? Well, they're more effective. 
um, if you if you have them on right um, because it's a solid surface rather than uh, a porous cloth. Um, but they're more expensive and um, more difficult to find. Um, if the shield covers your entire face, I know in, in the medical arena, many times masks and shields are worn. Um, so, um, but if, if you have a face-to-face um, approach to someone and, and they cough at you or, you know, sputum comes out, then the shield's going to stop it. And that's the, the purpose of it. But most masks, um, I was looking at a recent study, if it's a, a good cloth double um, lined mask, most masks are pretty effective. Um, but I understand with your Sjogren's why you would need um, you would need to have uh, that mask away from your eyes because it could be more drying. So um, good questions. And yes, people, if you're wearing your mask below your nose, you are not being protected. You are not being, you can, if someone with COVID doesn't have a mask on, um, and their sputum comes at you, what do you breathe through typically? Mostly your nose. So you're going to intake that. So putting it under your, just over your mouth and not covering your nose is of no use uh, for you. And um, like we said, I know the masks are for not transmitting the virus to others, but they do afford some protection. So keep that in mind. Okay. Um, we have another caller. Mary's been very patient and called back from Coldwater. Hi, Mary. Thanks for calling. Hey. How are you doing? I'm doing great. Tell us what your thoughts well, are today. Okay, I've got, I've got two, um, two topics, really. Uh, the first one is so many people who are been brainwashed that it's a hoax and, and it's nothing, and, and they don't understand that we have no idea what this virus is going to end up doing. And it's not like you just get it and then you get over it. Some people do, but a friend of mine's husband is just coming home from the hospital. He's been there four months in rehab, and he has more oh. rehab to come, and he's never going to be the same, ever. So I think people that are, are you know, so light. But you can't blame them because they're... Um, the the word from the top has been it's a hoax and a bunch of, you know, so what are you going to do? Um, it, it's sad. The other thing I'm saying is that my another friend of mine had a husband that was acting like he had dementia, and they think it might have been brain, um, a, a, a blow, very slow brain bleed. Mm -hmm. So mm -hmm. they, had him in, mm -hmm. they had him in the hospital. He was masked. He was on the gurney and um, and and hooked up and and they had to postpone his operation because there were so many patients in the, in the way and you know just taken over the hospital from the corona. Yeah, yeah, yeah. There's been such. A, thank you for pointing all that out, Mary. Sometimes it helps to hear from individuals who have someone close to them who has been severely affected and you're absolutely right there's something um 
And again, science, scientists and are, are still looking at this, but there does seem to be something that happens to some individuals and their clotting mechanisms. So people are having blood clots in their lungs, blood clots in their brains, um, and uh, for completely unknown reasons other than that the virus is doing something that's affecting um, this and happening. So, yes, some people come out just fine with flying colors and have nothing but um, a mild to moderate cold. But there are those individuals who don't. And those are the individuals we're trying to save. And you don't know who that is until it happens. And so I think, um, Mary, some some really good points. So I hope everybody will keep in mind um, trying to stay safe. Um, let's try to be uh, resilient with this. Try to understand what we're trying to do. Um, I tell you, I, I enjoyed this open topic today. I hope you did. I know we talked a lot about COVID, but we got some other stuff in. Um, I'd also, I'll get back to emails as we move along um, in our next show. All right. Today's show was engineered um, and, and produced by Michelle McAdoo. I hope you'll all join us next Tuesday at 11 for Relatively Speaking. And stay tuned for NPR's Here and Now coming up next on MPB Think Radio.